turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Last week we saw in Philippians 3 the futility of religious righteousness. Today we're going to talk about the possibility of living today like I will be in heaven. Philippians 3 verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. We saw in chapter 2, Jesus Christ left the glory of heaven. He came down here to this earth. He gave up all self-interest, self-preservation, self-promotion, and any other glory that might be given to him from those in heaven. And he came to die on the cross on the cross, so that you and I might be saved. He completely denied himself for others. And by virtue of his sacrifice, we can trust in him and be saved. We can receive the forgiveness of sins. We can receive eternal life. It's the only kind of life that he gives is eternal life. We receive it as a gift of God, by the grace of God. How? Through the finished work of Christ, I now have the possibility of receiving the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. But a lot of people sign up for that, and they say, you know what, Jesus, thank you for heaven, but leave me alone until we meet. Until we get up to heaven, I'm fine. I want to live my life, and I can't thank you enough for the insurance policy that you provided for me. But from now till then, I, I think it's best if we don't really talk. Now, I say that somewhat facetiously because I think the love of God is shed abroad in the heart of believers. I think that if you have the Spirit of Christ, and by the way, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not saved. You're not a child of God. If you have the Spirit of Christ, He is continually reminding you that this world is not your home, that you belong to God. But for a lot of people, the idea is Christianity is, is God making me rich. Uh, I, I use Christianity... To, to help me avoid suffering. Christianity, for many, is using God to help me love myself and to exalt and promote myself and to fix all the problems in my life. That's what Christianity means. Steve Jobs was a stickler for design. The reason why people love Apple, in many ways, a lot of it is because the design function, the design approach that they take in, in creating their devices. And for Steve Jobs, it went much deeper than just what it looked like on the outside. He said, he said, design 
in most people's vocabularies, design means veneer. He said nothing can be further from the meaning of design. Design is the fundamental soul of a man-made creation that ends up expressing itself in successive outer layers. So that's why he would make fun of other designs. He said, it's cheap because inside of it is cheap because they started out just trying to make money. Well, of course, Steve Jobs wanted to make money as well. But he was a stickler for the design. And, and his thought was it starts on the inside and then expresses itself on the outside. So he said, design means veneer. I fear that for a lot of people, Christianity means veneer. It, it means the outside. What, what I'm supposed to look like around other people. Certainly, that there... <laughs> I care about what my wife thinks about my clothes. If she says, that's nasty, get rid of it. I have a couple options. I can say, listen, I had this before I ever met you. And I'll have it after you're gone. Right? Or I can recognize the fact that I do indeed care what she thinks about it. I'm going to get rid of that shirt. Right? Why? Because it does matter to a certain degree what's on the outside. But, but I'm telling you, if all, I, all my wife thought about me was what kind of shirt I wear, that's not much of a relationship. If all your Christianity is about making sure that other people see you in the right place at the right time so they continue to think that you are something, you're missing the boat. Design does not mean veneer. Design starts on the inside and it works its way out in successive layers. Christianity is about me being conformed to the image of Christ. The Bible tells us, I want you to go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, the Bible tells us that this is going to happen. 1 John chapter 3, this is uh, towards the uh, uh, book of Revelation. Go all the way to the end and go back to your left. 1 John chapter 3. He says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. He says, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. That is in this earthly time frame. Right now, we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. When we get to heaven, when we see Christ, we don't know what we're going to look like, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Notice, we, you can see the tenses here. We, have been, we are now the sons of God because the Father has bestowed this love on us. Right now we're the sons of God. And we, don't, we know that when we see him, we don't know what it's going to be like, but we know we're going to look like him. And because of that, right now, because I have that hope that I am one day going to be like Jesus, I'm going to look like Jesus, because of that, I'm purifying myself right now because Jesus is in me. Jesus is in me. 
He didn't say, I want to know about Christ. Paul said in Philippians, said, I want to know Christ. He's not saying, I'm trying to get Christ. He has Christ. He's not hoping that when he dies, he will get eternal life. He already has eternal life. By the way, what, who cares if you have eternal life then? If you can't get to it. You've got to be able to get to eternal life right now, and you can't really call it eternal life if you can lose it. Right? Eternal life is something you can have now, not because you're good, but because he's good. His righteousness. So you have it now, and it lasts for eternity. Paul's not saying, I hope I get eternal life, because I have it already right now. He's not saying, I hope I can someday be justified in the eyes of God. I hope someday I'll be... No, I already am justified because Christ purchased a clean record for me. I'm not trying to earn a place in the resurrection. I'm not trying to get up. I just hope one day, I hope I'll be a part of that resurrection. No, Paul said, I know. I know I shall see him. I'm going to see him face to face. He said in chapter 1, remember Philippians, he which hath begun a good work and you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm hit. I'm going to hit it. Here is the wild thing he's praying for. He said, I want to, if it's possible, to manipulate time and live now as, if I, as, as when I will live there. I want to be, I want to act I want to speak, I want to feel and think the way I will in heaven, I want it to be done right now. I want to be as Christ-like as possible right now. I want to know him, not just to be saved, but I want to know him so completely that I think like him, that I act like him. Because when I get to heaven, I'm going to think like him, and I'm going to act like him. But I want it to be right now. He has... As a present possession, eternal life because of the resurrection. But he wants to live that resurrection power right now, today. A lot of Christians have a Jesus that saved them. And one day he's coming to get them. But in the meantime, I just want him to wait on me hand and foot. Just want to make sure he gratifies my every whim, my every lust of the flesh. Why? If I'm going to heaven anyhow, why not just live it up now? The Bible knows nothing of that Christianity. It has, it's not presented there. Now, it, it happens. To every believer, it happens to a certain degree. But let me ask you this. If it's true that I am going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ when I see him, in fact, we're told that uh, he predestinated anyone who is in Christ to be conformed to the image of Christ. What does that mean? Well, it's like, let's say a factory. A factory gets a big load of, of steel in, in raw form, and when that thing shows up and gets inside the factory, that big load of steel, it is predestinated to become whatever the manufacturer has already decided. They don't bring it into the factory and say, I don't know, what do you think? I just leave it in the corner. Whatever the steel wants to do, whatever the steel desires, let it decide. No, the manufacturer says, if you get in here, I'm taking you and I'm going to make you something else. So when you get in Christ, the Holy Spirit immediately starts working in your life, in your heart, to conform you to the image of Christ. It's, all, it's an assembly line. 
right? But it's every, at every point in the assembly line, it's as if the steel gets to decide whether or not it allows the manufacturer to go to the next step. That's our heart. It's as if the steel says, I like what you've done so far, but that's it. I don't want no more. And, and, and Paul is saying, I know that eventually, whenever I get up to heaven, there may be a whole lot of stuff that never, got hap- never happened down here, but when I get to heaven, it's going to happen. I mean, he's going to make it happen when I get to heaven. But what if, I wonder, if I could basically be like I will be there, not my body, my body is falling apart, my body is getting persecuted, but I wonder what it would be like if there was hardly any difference between here and there. Paul said, that's, that's what I'm looking for. He said, I want to attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And he says, that's what I want. That's my desire. And here's why it's possible. Here's why it's possible. Now, first of all, you got to say, Who cares if it's possible if you don't want it, right? Who cares if it's possible to live almost like you were in heaven without sin? If you don't even, number one, if you don't think it's possible, but even if you think it's possible, you got to want it. You got to have a desire to live that way. And I don't know about you, sometimes I don't want to live like a Christian. It's like a big weight, it's like a big list. Everywhere you go, there's a list. Can't do this, can't do that. And Paul didn't say, I want to I have a list of rules that make me like Jesus. It's not what he said. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him. What kind of a person is he? You know, there's popular stories often you see in, in, in pop culture, movies or books, fairy tales, where... There's a person down on their luck, maybe a person who's poor, impoverished, you know, sick, has no money, and, and somewhere in their lives, someone comes along and gives them clothes or gives them money or gives them medicine or helps them in some way, and it's this mystery person. Like, who is the benefactor? Who's the one that's helping me? And so the person goes along and it's like this masked person, you know, Zorro or, you know, whatever. Uh, Who else wears a mask? Batman. And it's like, who is that person? The Lone Ranger. Who is that masked man? Right? And uh, that's what I loved about COVID. There's a lot of mystery. Like, who is that person? I'm just kidding. Um, it was a blessing, though, in many cases. It was a blessing for people to wear masks. I will admit that. I'm sure it was a blessing for you, too, when I would wear a mask. But the question, like, who is... And so the storyline generally goes, okay, this person uh, gradually is blessed and helped, and, and maybe their schooling is paid for, or they get uh, new clothes or whatever. And then as they go, they continue to have this desire, I want to find out who that person is. Well, that's the way it was with Paul. And he goes on to say in chapter 3, he said, I want to find out why he apprehended me. I haven't yet got a hold of why he got a hold of me. Because Paul was interested not just in why God did this for me, who Jesus Christ is. That's the first words that Paul spoke. 
Who art thou, Lord? He was interested in knowing, not just who Jesus Christ was in the sense, oh, that's the guy that did it for me. Oh, that's the one that saved me. I get it. No, he wanted to know what kind of a person would ever want to do that for me. He wanted to get inside of the mind of his rescuer. How do you become a person like that? That's what he wanted to do. And Paul believed that he could be like Christ now because Christ was in him and he was in Christ. We all have in our minds mental models of the kind of person we want to be. If you're an athlete, you've got an athlete or a bunch of athletes, conglomeration, make up this ultimate athlete in your mind. If you're a businessman, there are people, entrepreneurs, that you look at and you respect how they acted. If you're, if you're in leadership, authority, you have certain teachers, you have certain uh, uh, supervisors uh, or, or leaders that you look at and say, Man, I like that guy. I like that lady. I like how she thinks. I like who she was. Maybe it was a person in the past. And you kind of have this conglomeration. And it's like, well, I like this person, but I don't like that part of him. But I like this part of that person, not that part. I, you know, kind of this mashup. For Paul, the, the ultimate mashup was not a bunch of different things about a bunch of different people. It was one person, the person of Jesus Christ. And he was infatuated with him. And he was amazed by him. And then even more so, he was intrigued, and in fact, he, he, he was addicted to the idea of letting that person live out his life through him. Now, that is what we call crazy talk, because I can read all the books about Abraham Lincoln I want, and Abraham Lincoln will never come inside of me and do Abe stuff. Why? He gone. He's dead. It doesn't matter how many, you know, uh, documentaries about Michael Jordan I might watch. Michael Jordan is not inside of me when I take my jump shot. No matter how much I was, I mean, I was close. I have to say I was close. <laughs> really close. That's what, that's what young people do. I remember when I was a kid, watch a movie and go out immediately and act the movie out outside. Right? And in your mind, you're thinking, I'm doing this. I'm a pirate. I'm a cowboy. Right? Guys, this is crazy talk, but this is exactly, I'm, I want to say this as clear as I can, that is exactly, precisely what God intends. I'm telling you, it's crazy. It's so crazy, we can't even imagine it. We put it in a theological textbook and put it on the shelf because it's crazy. That somehow God could be inside of me living his life. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's how I know the Bible is a supernatural book. Because nobody else talks that way. No, no Jew thinks that he can get to know Moses as he is right now. And that somehow he can know and have a relationship with Moses. No, he, he's interested in the law, right? I'm talking about Orthodox Jews. They respect Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Moses is a big deal, and he is for us too. But nobody says they have a personal relationship with Moses. That's weird. No Muslim thinks that he can have a personal relationship with Muhammad. In fact, that would be blasphemy. 
No one knows what Muhammad's doing right now. No one can talk to him. No one can communicate with him. We don't care. How about Buddhism? No Buddhist thinks that I can know. In fact, no Buddhist thinks that you have to know who Buddha is. No Buddhist thinks that you have to have a personal relationship with Buddha in order to understand Buddhism. He gave us the way. He gave us all the instructions that we need. It's not him. It's what he said. Christianity stands alone in that it is not only what he said, it is him. In fact, he is what he said and what he said is him. If you allow this, it will make you go crazy because you can't understand it, but you have to believe it. And Paul says, I'm in. I'm in. I want Jesus Christ to be inside of me, living like he lives in heaven right now. Isn't it true that in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul said, we are seated with him in the heavenlies. Where? Right now. Okay, think about this. Chew on it sometime when you, when you have time. Since you've been saved, you have been existing in heaven. What did you see up there? What have you seen? What have you heard? What have you eaten? What have you worn? What have you smelled? Since you got saved, you've been seated in heavenly places. Well, we can't see and hear and touch and taste, but I can tell you this. We're no less in heaven now than we will be then spiritually. Physically, my body has not been changed yet, and it's not allowed past the gates. Why? No flesh is allowed in here. No, no flesh can glory in his presence. Sorry, leave your body outside. When you get to heaven, you get a new body, right? He changes our vile body that it can be fashioned like into his glorious body. So I don't know what I'm going to look like. I know when I get there, I'm going to look like Jesus. But spiritually speaking, if I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I'm already in heaven. You want to talk about alternative universes? You want to talk about dual timelines? That's what's happening right now. You know what Paul said? If that's really true, I'd rather be living in heaven. I'd rather be acting the way I act in heaven. I'd rather be thinking and talking the way I talk in heaven. That's what he means by attaining under the resurrection of the dead. I want to be able to live now like I will be living there. You've got to first want it. A lot of Christians don't want it. You know what they want? They want to be left alone. Listen, Jesus, I mean, I love you and everything, but... Stuff to do. <laughs> I don't know, what, we, what, what do you want from me? I, I mean, I'm not even married yet. For crying out loud, I, I have I, I, I haven't gotten the beautiful home that I know that I'm going to get soon. I don't have my retirement's not done yet. I haven't seen my grandkids graduate. I haven't graduated. There's a lot of stuff I got to do, and I'm just saying, Jesus, I appreciate it and all, but I, can we just, you know? Can we just live in reality a little bit here? I mean, church is great and all, and I'll come once a week, no problem. But can we just ease off on this pressure? Well, yeah, I mean, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live like Jesus Christ. Paul said, I want to. He said, I want to win Christ. Almost like it's a game. I want to win the game of Christ. 
Now, if you consider, consider yourself competitive, put your antenna up right here. There are levels of what it means to live like a Christian. Isn't it true that when we get to heaven, our, all of our works will go through the fire and they'll come and, and it'll be gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, all of that stuff goes through? What does that mean? That there are different levels at which you can live the Christian life. It's not that there are different levels of value of Christians in that sense. It's not. It's like you tell me, which one is better? Which, which one has more intrinsic value, a peewee uh, football player, Pop Warner football player, or an NFL player, all pro NFL player? Well, you can't really compare because there are different stages. But there are different stages. Last time I checked, you're not getting 100,000 people going to watch a Pop Warner football game. There are levels that you can have in the Christian life. And we, we, we push back there many times. Why? Ain't nobody better than me. The truth is, nobody's any good at all. Jesus Christ is in us. And now he says, how much do you want? How much do you want to play this game? How much do you want to win? Well, I don't want to, I don't, coach, don't worry about me, coach. I'm just glad to be on the team. I'm just glad. We want to play? No, 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 I don't want to play. I'm just glad I'm on the team. Well, wait, what are you talking about? Isn't it being on the team means playing? Well, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm just lazy. I'm just lazy because I love being saved. Hold on a second. At what point do you start doing damage to the privilege it is to be on the team? You think God put you on his team not to bring him glory? I mean, you already are not bringing him glory. I'm already not bringing him glory. Did he need to save us and put us in the family of God so we wouldn't bring him glory? No. He put us in the family of God so that we could have the privilege of bringing glory to him. And the more glory I bring to him in my life, the more I'm winning Christ. Take your Bibles and go, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3. He said, I want to win Christ. Now remember, this is not so that I can be saved. The devil might get in your head and tell you that. No. Paul said, I'm already in Christ. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. But down here on this earth, I get a chance to live in a certain way that can either move the ball forward for Christ in my life or I can lose yardage. I can go backwards. Look what he says. He said, I want to win Christ. What is to win? It's to labor, to struggle, to work, strive, to fight in order to gain, to obtain, to get victory, to get reward. It's, it's, it's fighting to win. It's struggling to gain. It's striving to obtain. There's the work and there's the payoff. So in a moment of time, I become saved by the grace of God, but now I want to spend the rest of my time on this earth developing that relationship with my Savior. Let me ask you this. Is, when is a person more married? When they say, I do? Or are they more married 25 years later? Technically, they're not more married they're just as married as they ever were. But you know, a lot of folks, they get in 
And that's all they want. I told you I loved you when we got married 20 years ago. If anything changes, I'll let you know. You're a liar. You don't tell her anything. Listen, you can be married and not have a relationship. Paul said that I may know him. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. Not, I want to be saved. It's already saved. I want to know him. Who is this mysterious hero that saved me? And what kind of a person would save somebody like me? I want to know that person. That's what Paul's saying. So 1 Peter chapter 3, he's talking about wives who are married to unsaved husbands. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. What's conversation? It's the behavior. It's the lifestyle. It's the way they act. It's their, it's their mannerisms. Here's, a lot, here's the husband. The husband is the prize. Watch what it says. They can win this unsaved husband by their actions. Okay, so the husband is the prize to be won. The wife, through her subjection to her husband, wins him by her conversation. Now stay with me because I know this is a little confusing. It's not an exact corollary because I'm not trying to win an unsaved savior. Okay, you follow me. But the idea is this. The wife already has him. They're already married, right? Saved wife, unsaved husband. They're already married, but there's no fellowship. They don't love the same things. They're not on the same page. And so the wife can win her husband by the way she lives her life. Okay, so not a perfect corollary, but the word win is the tie-in. Do you see that? This idea of winning, of gaining. I want to gain Christ. I'm already in a relationship with him. But if I'm not pulling the same direction as he, as he is, I'm not on the same page, then I can't have fellowship with him, and I can't really know him. Some of you understand what it's like to be married to an unsafe person. You love her or him. You're committed to her or him, but there's no real relationship. See, what Paul's talking about winning Christ, he's talking about being in a relationship with the one who loves him, not just legally, positionally, but experientially, practically, day by day. Not only am I married to him, but I like him. Not only am I legally tied to him, but I love it. See, that's the difference. A lot of Christians are stuck on the formal legal side. Yes, they're saved, but they don't have time for Jesus. They're not really intrigued by him. I'm not here to crack a whip on you. Get busy for Jesus. I'm saying, do you even want to know him? What kind of a person would go to hell for you? Man, that's a pretty intriguing person. You ever go through a drive-thru? Let's say you're going through Arby's. 
And of course, if you go through Arby's, you know, there's only a couple things you can get. You can get the old roast beef with the cheddar, you know, it's kind of like, wow, what happened here? Well, there we go. Let's put it down. You ever remember, any of you remember, I've never seen it, when the roast beef actually came out of the sandwich? Anybody? Now it's nestled safely inside of the bun. Tiny little ministry they have going on in there. So if you don't get that, I always get the, the uh, fresh sandwich, whatever it is, the roast beef, uh, the turkey and, and uh, cheese and bacon and all that, get that. So I'm going through, and, and what I find out is when I come up to the thing, the person says, oh, someone already paid for your meal. Well, I know it's not somebody from Hope Baptist. <laughs> no, it's not my wife, I know. No, think about it. Is, don't you have some curiosity? Don't you at least say, you at least remember the car, like you're trying to remember what car it was. It was a white Jeep Cherokee. Well, who cares what car it was? I got what I wanted, and I didn't have to pay for it. That's what I'm talking about. Man, I wish people would pay it forward more. In fact, I think everybody should be paying it forward, mainly to me. I heard about the guy that said, I want to pay it backward. The guy behind me is going to pay for me. <laughs> That's more my style, amen? But you know, the, the concept of it is that when you realize that someone was kind to you in a way you did not expect, it makes you curious about that person. You know the reason why we don't really get intrigued about Jesus? Because we forget about who he really is. We, f- we forget about what he has actually done for us. When we start to meditate on who would I be without Jesus? Where would I be without the Son of God. I I mean, you probably wouldn't be, in my case, I wouldn't be married to the woman I'm married to. I wouldn't have stayed married if I'd gotten married. I wouldn't wouldn't have children who, who call me. Why? Because in my flesh, there's nothing good in me. You know who I care about? I care about people paying it forward to me. But Jesus paid everything forward. Jesus paid it all. And so now I have an opportunity to live not just a life for me, but to pay it forward, to take his love and his nature and have it flow through me. And so it's easier for me sometimes as a believer to be grateful for what God's done for me without ever even thinking about what God is looking for in a relationship. What does he want? Paul said, I want to win Christ. That's what I want. Now, secondly, I want you to go back to Philippians chapter 3. And I want you to see in verse number 8 why it's possible. Why it's possible. He says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count the but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. This is why it's possible. You say, well, I don't think we can live like Jesus. I don't think we can live like we're in heaven. Well, then you can't be saved. The only way for you to get into heaven is by having someone else's righteousness but yours. Why? Yours is not good enough. You say, well, I give. Well, I pray. Well, I sacrifice. Well, I'm sorry. Well, those are all good things you should do anyhow just to live with people. You got to say sorry if you live with people. 
That's not going to get you into heaven. Why? We're not talking about offending another human who has also offended you. We're talking about offending a holy God who has never offended you. A God who is perfectly righteous. And so for you and I to get to heaven, we have to have someone else's righteousness, not ours. I can't climb the ladder. Why? I don't even know where the ladder is. And I don't even know what the next rung is. Because every time I grab a hold of it, it breaks off. And I'm like, forget it. I can't climb that ladder. I try hard, and what do I do? In trying hard, I realize how bad of a person I am. In fact, that is the whole purpose of the law, to show you how wicked you are. You know what the Lord did? He put up rules so that you would know that you're a rule breaker. Not so you could say, well, I keep all the rules. Because the first rule is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And it's hard to love God when you love yourself. So even if you were to keep all the Ten Commandments, which you're not, you're forgetting about the major commandment that Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Paul said, I was doing all that stuff before I met Jesus, and you know who I loved? I loved myself. That's what happens with self-righteousness. You do really, really, really good. I don't do what she did. I never do what my mom did. Never. Okay, great. You're better than your mom. Are you better than Jesus? Because God's standard of righteousness is Jesus Christ, who never sinned. You say, that's impossible. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. You can't get to heaven in your own, path, in your own strength because you're not good enough. Because even when you try to be good enough, you get proud. And now you're proud about how good you are. Now you're stuck. Back to the beginning. Okay, so righteousness of Christ is the righteousness of the God who created everything coming down and, and being your substitute. So instead of my resume, it's Jesus Christ's resume. God the Father reviews it and says, oh, you'd never sinned. That's pretty good. Oh, you always did that which pleased me. That's really good. Oh, even when you were reviled, you reviled not again. Who, when you, you, you suffered and you threatened not, you say, let me see that. that. I don't remember that. No, I can tell you one thing. If he's reading that on my resume, it's not mine, it's Jesus. There's nothing good about what I've done. There's nothing bad about what he's done. And it's a free gift. Can you imagine if you had the resume of the person that you admire the most? Athlete, businessman, politician. And you could actually list on your resume the accomplishments that they have accomplished. And I don't know, that'd be pretty cool. You can have the resume of Jesus Christ. Everything he has accomplished is available in him to you. And when he comes inside of you, you have the ability to do all things through him, which strengtheneth you. It goes a whole lot further than just, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. He said, I want to win Christ, and it's possible because I have his righteousness. Now, here's my plan. Look, at, if you would, at Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. Here's my plan. That I may know him. I'd like to get the one that to, I'd like to get to know the one who saved me. That's personal knowledge. That's intelligent knowledge, not crazy dreams. I had a dream of Jesus, and he was like seventy-five feet tall, and he was like the poor children, and he was crying. Well, listen, Jesus cared about the poor. Jesus cried, but I'm not worried and thinking about what you saw or didn't see in your grilled cheese. I'm talking about an intelligent knowledge of him based on his word. 
He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You've got to read your Bible. You get into the Bible, that's where you see Jesus Christ. Be careful of these Jesuses that, that have nothing to do with the written word of God. You know why people do that? Because they'd rather imagine, just like you always have, have a God in their own image. A God who does what I think is cool. A God who acts like I think he should act. No, no. Paul said, I want to know him as he is in truth. That's what I want to know. He said, I want an affectionate knowledge. To know him is to love him. To love him. If I know him at all, I'm going to love him more. It's a satisfying knowledge. When I know him, my mind is full to the brim. It's amazing because when I, when I am interested in Christ and I'm reading my Bible and I'm taking it in and the Holy Spirit is applying it to my heart, I'm satisfied, but I want more. That's the kind of knowledge he wants. It's an exhilarating knowledge because the more I find out about him, the more intrigued I am, I am by him. He said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. And the power of his resurrection is interesting that Paul is already saved, but I want to know the power of his resurrection. Now, what was the power of his resurrection? He said, I have power to lay my life down and I have power to take it up again. You don't know anybody that can turn themselves off and then turn themselves on as far as life is concerned. Why? Because when you're dead, how do you turn yourself back on? How do you flip the switch? But Jesus did. You know the reason why Jesus could do that? Is because when he got put to death, he got put to death for things that he did not do. He accomplished a marvelous work. He paid for sins that he did not, he did not perform. And then, because he was innocent, he could come back from the dead. That's the power of his resurrection. It's the power to live a life free from sin. Did you realize you don't have to sin? You don't have to look at that junk on your computer or on your phone. You don't have to say those words. You don't have to put that junk in your body. You don't have to say that or think that or feel that. You don't have to. You're completely free. Why? Jesus Christ, if he, had, if he saved you, he's inside of you. And he has made you free from the law of sin and death. You can live the life of resurrection power, of innocence, of holiness. He said, I want to know about that. I want to know that power because that, that power is what raised Jesus up. It's the power that's going to raise me up from this wicked world and is going to make me look like Jesus Christ, conform to the image of the Son. That's going to happen. He said, I want it now. I want it now. You, I'm happy to tell you, you can have as much Jesus today as you want. You can be as holy as you want to be. Now we know Paul goes on to say, not that I've already attained. He said, I'm not perfect. But he said, that's my goal. What's my goal? I want to be as close to the Paul in heaven as I can be right now. You ever think about what you're going to be like in heaven? I do. I think about that. I'd be glad to not have to worry about that anymore. I'll be glad to not have that weird tick of my personality. Why do I say that? Why do I do that? Why do I always go there? When heaven, I won't, I won't have that anymore. The secret of the Christian life is realizing I already have the life of heaven now. Isn't that what, what Jesus said to pray? He said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
You see, that's what God wants. Now, that will be the kingdom. That will be the kingdom on earth, physically. But spiritually, it's already happening for me right now. The will of God that's being done in heaven can be done in earth in my heart right now. Paul said, I'm running on that action. I want, to be, I, want to be different than I, I want to be different than I am now. I want to live now like I will live then. He said, here's another way to do it, though. This, uh, this is another part of it. Notice he said, the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know his pain. Now, we all like people, but we want to be a part of their success. We would love to be a part of their victories, of their wins, but we don't want to be a part of their pain. You can't, no, no cross, no crown. You will not be able to experience the power of the resurrection of Christ in your life now if you don't experience his pain. Suffering. Suffering, what kind of suffering? Suffering against the flesh. You see, that's where Christians get off. I love Jesus and I'm all into it, but if, it ever, if my Christianity ever crosses what my flesh wants to do, and Jesus says, go this way, and my flesh says, I don't want to. Forget it, I'm out. You're asking too much. But you can't know the power of his resurrection if you're not willing to fellowship in his suffering. What does that look like? Well, you probably won't be the coolest kid on the block. You probably won't be able to listen to all the music that you want to listen to. You probably, why? It's not, well, everybody else says I shouldn't in church and so I won't. No, it's what does Jesus want? Not the Jesus that you make up in your own mind. The Jesus of this book. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. So he says, I can't go there. I can't wear that. I can't put that in my body. Well, who says? Well, Jesus does. Well, that hurts, preacher. What are you saying? That hurts. Yeah, it's the fellowship of his sufferings. Suffering against his flesh. Suffering because of other people. He said, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied and faint in your minds. You know, there's people that punch Jesus in the face. You may have some enemies, but how many have been punched in your face? You say, well, they've been mean and they're nasty. Well, they were mean and nasty to Jesus. They put him on a cross and nailed his hands and feet to a cross. Have they done that yet? You see, you can't know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ if you're not willing to be nailed to the cross. And I'm thankful that he says, being made conformable unto his death. See, the Spirit of God is conforming me to the image of Christ. Well, yeah, the image of Christ in, a, in his glory on the throne with thousands around him and crowns on his head. Yeah, but how did he get there? Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. He started out here. You want to be like Jesus? It's going to hurt a lot. It's going to hurt a lot. In fact, you're going to have to mimic the path that Jesus took in his life. What is that? Obscurity for 30 years. Nobody understood him. He was just a normal, regular guy. When he finally presents himself, everybody's like, yeah, go Jesus. Kill the Romans. And it looked like everything was great for a while. And then after a while, people realized he was saying, no, 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 I'm calling. Not, I'm, not, I'm not here just to talk about the physical kingdom. I'm here to talk about the spiritual kingdom as well. That's going to be inside of you. So let's talk about how bad you are inside. Hey, Pharisees, come here. Your righteousness is not good enough. I'm going to raise the ante up a little bit. You know what they said? Crucify him. We can shut him down. Let's put him on a cross. 
Why? Because they didn't like the fact that they weren't good enough. Jesus said, you're not good enough. So they started punching them. You know, the meanest people are not going to be the, the, the bums, the drug addicts, the drunks to you. It's going to be the Christian people, the religious people that are going to be nastiest to you. And why? All because you try to be like Jesus, you try to follow him, and they get mad and get irritated. If it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to you. And if it hasn't happened to you, you've got to stop and think, am I really following Jesus? He said, I want to know him. But not just know about him. I want to know what he did and what he felt and the actions he took and what happened as a result of the actions he took. And he said, I'm willing to be made conformable unto his death. When's the last time, Christian, you thought about how you're dead to this flesh and this world? You know what a lot of us are thinking about right now? It's about time. It's natural. It's normal. We're humans, right? But if we're not careful, that flesh, that body will tell us, here's what's important. And everything else just has to wait. Paul said, I'm going to flip that. Flesh, you wait. What does God want? What does God want? Hey, retirement, hobbies, fellowship, friendship, activities, vacations. Hey, you just, you'll get your time. You get your chance. I'm not, hey, listen, I'm not mad at you. Fun, I'm not mad at you, fun. I'm just not here for you. Okay, I, I, I will hang out. I'm telling you, we'll hang out. But I want to hang out with Jesus. I'd rather know him than the emptiness of a life wasted on self. I'd rather live in the power of his resurrection. He said, I can know about him all day. No, that's not enough for me. He says there in the last verse, he said, if by any means. Since I'm already seated in the heavenly places, since I'm already saved eternally, I'd like to go ahead and experience the resurrected life right now. What does that look like for you, Christian? I can tell you this, it can't look like the life of every other unsaved person. It can't. Because Jesus Christ is in you. It's got to look different in some way. It's not up to me to tell you how to do it. It's up for me to tell you, here's what the scripture says. Here's what Paul told us and gave us an example. And that's a possibility for you. You can live the resurrected power of Jesus Christ today. You can raise your family as Jesus would raise them. You can have on your iPod, or, or your, that, boy, that'll date me, on your iPhone, a song list that the Son of God himself would be pleased with. Your habits, what you put into your eyes, can be the same as the Son of God himself. That power is available to you. The flesh will lie to you and say, well, we have this special deal going where Jesus lets me do what I want, and then we get to heaven, okay, all bets are off, now we'll do what you want. The flesh lies to us. But I'm here to tell you, based on the authority of the Word of God, you have the power to live a resurrected life of freedom today. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me?